Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Merry Christmas! Okay, is it feeling like Christmas? I think so. I am so happy. I feel like it has been a very long time since we've had a white Christmas around here. And my kids are like, I don't even know, Dad. Do we have white Christmases? And I'm like, yes, we do. So I'm super, super excited about the white Christmas, and I hope you guys are too. You know, as we, as we enter this week coming up to Christmas, and, and I do, I really hope to see you guys back for Christmas service. But we are, we're, we're just preparing our hearts to not just give gifts, and, and we're going to, and, and the snow really helps with me just kind of being like, yeah, okay, it's Christmas. Um, and I don't really know why, because Christmas really is, we're celebrating Jesus. But for me, snow is a part of that celebration. It's like I live in the north, not just because I'm here, but I want the snow. I want the seasons. I want snow for Christmas. But Christmas is meant to be, and as we're preparing our hearts and looking, looking forward to Christmas, it's meant to be something that's to remind us about what Jesus did. But it can, it can be really easy, and we can really quickly, quickly move away from that. I think sometimes just, just a reminder, just, just stopping and looking, okay, what is it that I'm celebrating can completely change what it is that we're doing um, have you ever heard the song, It Is Well With My Soul? Raise your hand if you've ever heard the song, It Is Well With My Soul. Okay. Raise your hand if you want to hear me sing it. <laughs> much, much fewer. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to sing it. Don't, don't worry. Don't, don't worry. But that song, it's a, it's a good song. I enjoy it. I've sang it many, many, many times. But the fun thing about that song, like I say fun, but let me just say it this way. Do you know, have you ever heard the story around that song? The story around that song is this. It was written by a guy named Horatio in 1873. And he wrote it on his way to Europe to go meet his wife. Nope, not that guy. Not that guy. That's, that's Lenin. That's something different. Okay, but Horatio <laughs> was on his way to Europe. And he was traveling alone because he had sent his wife and his four remaining kids, four daughters, before him. They were going to go over there and he had to finish up some business and he was going to come and meet them. But before he even left, he got a telegram from his wife saying, saved alone. And he found out that on the way, there had been a shipwreck and although his wife was saved, Four of his daughters died. Is the, story, is, is the song changing just a little bit for you? Well, then he is like, well, I got to go meet my wife. So he jumps on a ship and he heads to go meet his wife. And as he's sailing to go meet his wife in the same ocean that had claimed his four daughters a short time before, he wrote the song, It Is Well With My Soul. That changes that song a little bit for me. As a dad, I cannot imagine 
I, I can't imagine what that would be like. Not in the slightest. And still just thinking about it just wrecks me. But he writes this, the words, it is well with my soul. He writes the words, when peace like a river attendeth my soul. It changes the song because we know what it meant. Christmas is meant to be something that's to remind us a season that we take time. It doesn't have to be the same for everybody, let's be honest. It's not. For some people, Christmas is just, I go, I get a gift, I meet with family. For some people, they're like, I don't have family, so I do my own thing. For some, it, it can change. But what it's meant to be for you and me is a reminder of what Jesus did, a celebration of the fact that he came and was born. We celebrate his birth. What, do we know exactly, exactly when? No, no, we don't know exactly when. But we do know that Jesus came. He was born in a manger, born to a virgin, and we celebrate that on Christmas Day. So I want to take some time and look at what it is that he did, because I hope as we go into this week before Christmas that you take some time to think about what it is that he did. What is behind the fact? that we get to celebrate Christmas. So I'm going to read a couple of scriptures here, and there's one word I think that's really going to jump out to you. We'll start with Galatians 3. It says this in Galatians 3, verse 13. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. In Titus 2, it says, verse 13, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearance of God our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Psalms 19 says this in verse 4, says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Galatians 4 says this, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Why? To redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption as sonship. He sent Jesus to redeem you and I. Now, I, I like words. Um, I don't like not knowing what they mean. When I read, I typically read with a dictionary or I've got to look it up. I'm like, what was that again? But, but this, this redeem word jumps out at me. Now, the other, the other day, I was, was driving in the car, actually quite a while ago now, but I was driving in the car with Avery, and, and she's going through, she, she's made it through segment one of driver's ed. We're, we're sitting at a stoplight, and we're going to turn left, and we're waiting for that green arrow. And, and she could just kind of like make statements, double-checking things as, as, as we're driving, like, and this is the turn lane, and, and, and I'm, I'm sitting there, and she goes, now, this is a protected turn, right? <laughs> and, and she said that, and I go, what? She goes, this is a protected turn. We have a green arrow. And I go, well, no, no, no. We have a green arrow, which means you have the right of when we do. I said, but it's not... The arrow doesn't protect you. 
I'm like, it doesn't protect you. And she's like, well, that's what my teacher called it. And I'm like, your teacher's wrong, okay? It's not protecting you. It just, it, that means it's your turn to go. Please don't think that it protects you. I'm like, that's just the wrong word to use to tell kids that are learning to drive, oh, that's a protected turn. No, it's not. It's not protected. It just means that you get the right of way. But that word is important. And in every one of these verses that we just read, there's a super important word, and that's this word, redeem. That he came to redeem us. That Jesus came, born in a manger. Why? To redeem us. Now, here's what, here's what redeem is. To redeem something is to, is to buy it back. It's to pay for. It's to, it's to remove something from a condition or a place that it could not or that person, in this case, could not remove themselves. They could not better themselves they could, enough to get out of that situation. So somebody else came, and for you and I, that's Jesus. And he came to redeem you and I, to remove us from where we were, to help us to get out. Romans talks about our condition, and it says this in verse 5. It says, for the sin of this man, Adam caused death to rule over many. And that's where we were. Death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and His triumphant gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. That's what He did for us, is to come to that place where we couldn't and to help us get out of it. Because we needed it. We needed it oh so badly because we were under that law of sin and death. Jesus, God, is just, which means he knows the things that you and I have done wrong. Not only does he know them, but as a just God, he's going to see that we get what we deserve if he's just. So Jesus came and received our punishment so that we wouldn't have to. But that condition that we were in, here's what the world says. The world says this. It says, we are good people. That's what the world tells you. The world tells us we're good and we're getting better. And if all, all we have to do is unite around some cause and we can do great things. But God's word says something different. It says that man in our state that we're not good, that we're bad, and when we're left alone, we just get worse. Or, I mean, we get good at doing bad things. It's, it's totally different. And you can, you can even just, from where we are today, is you can just kind of look, look out the window at the world around us, and you're like, oh yeah, we are definitely bad and getting worse. We, we, we have a Supreme Court justice that's like, I can't tell you what a woman is. We have people who say, I don't know if I'm a boy or a girl or who can have babies and who can't. And you're like, are you serious? It, it is a direct picture of what it says in Romans where it says, professing to be wise, they became fools. You're like, it, it, it's crazy. We don't get better on our own. On our own, apart from God, we get worse. 
We get better at doing bad things, and this is where he was, and he's like, okay, we need to get better. The only way we're going to do that, the only way we do that is with Jesus. There's a guy, I'm going to slaughter his name, okay? He was a French diplomat, Alexis, Alexi D. something, okay? If you want to know his name, I'll give it to you. I'm just going to absolutely slaughter it. But he was a diplomat, and he came and toured America in 1831. America was young, but what we were doing as a, as, a, as a country was blowing the world away. And he says, what makes America so great? And he came, and this is what he had to say. He said, not until I went into the churches of America and I heard her pulpits fume with righteousness, excuse me, flame with righteousness, did I understand the secret of her genius and power. America is great because America is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. He said, the greatness, where's that greatness? He says, it comes from the righteousness that is being taught in their pulpits. It's the word of God. That's where the good comes from. It's not something that we find on our own or could even find on our own. Our own goodness is equivalent or similar to putting cologne on a rotting corpse. It ain't going to do any good because the issue is still there. But that's where, that's where our mind without God, that's where it goes. It goes to, well, can't I just solve this myself? Talking with a guy this week. Came, came to pick up something that I sold and, and we got to talking and, and Christmas and he brought up the fact that one day... He's a little bit old. He's like, well, one day I'm going to die. And I'm like, well, do you know what's going to happen when you die? And he looks at me and goes, well, you know, I hope heaven. And I'm like, hope? You don't know? I said, because I know. And he goes, well, I hope that the good that I've done, you know, I haven't really been that bad. He says, I really haven't done anything that bad. And that, that, that was his answer. I haven't really done anything that bad. I've done, some, I've done some good things. But without God, that's what we're left with. Without God, we're left with, uh, I haven't done anything that bad, or I'm not as bad as that person, and we can always find somebody worse, or worser. But no, we're like, okay. But with God, what God did is he came, he looked, he saw where we were and said, they cannot get out of that condition. So that is why Jesus came. Because we couldn't. Psalms 49 says this in verse 6. They trust in their wealth and boast of great riches. Yet they cannot redeem themselves from death by paying a ransom to God. Redemption does not come so easily for no one can ever pay enough. So as we look and as we're celebrating Jesus, we're celebrating the fact that God looked at where we were and said, I'm going to fix that. I'm going to come down and I'm going to fix that. And what is it going to take to fix that? It was no small ordeal. We couldn't fix it ourselves. And he says, I know that they can't. Sin reigned because Adam sinned and death because of sin. And all of us were subject to it. So he sent Jesus to fix what we could not fix. 
Several years ago, um, I got the opportunity to, to kind of redo an old house with my mom. She was, they, they bought this old, old farmhouse, and, and so we got in there, and it was old. And there, there were some, some walls that needed to be moved and some things that needed to get replaced and this and that. But it was really fun because everything in this, in this place was, was unique. If you build something now, you go to the store, you buy a two-by-four. And you come, and, and it's not two-by-four, it's one-and-a-half by three-and-a-half. Don't ask me why. Okay, I hate it. It drives me nuts. Call it a one-and-a-half by three-and-a-half. Don't call it a two-by-four. But anyways, but we're in this old house, and this old house, the foundations of this house were stone, and they're about two feet thick. Just crazy, crazy thick. And then the house, I had, I had to put a vat in, in, in the kitchen and go out through the wall, and I kept drilling and drilling and drilling and drilling, and I'm I'm like, oh my goodness. Finally, I get this six-inch hole put in the wall. The wall was over nine and a half inches thick, this wall. The two-by-fours, that when there were two-by-fours in the wall, they were two-by-four or bigger. And some of them were bigger. And everything in the house, everything that we had to switch around and move, had to be custom-made. You couldn't go to the store and get anything. You'd have to... if. If you're going to go to the store and get anything, I had to oversize it and mill everything down to fit as we were putting planks back in the floor, and we ripped up carpet and redid the floors and brought that back up and took out a chimney and had to patch the ceiling and, and, and the tongue and groove. You could see the marks where they, they had used a plane to make it, and, and you can't go to the store and buy any of this stuff, so it's like, okay, how can I find it and re it? Man, it was very intricate, and it took way longer than I expected because everything in it was, you couldn't just go buy and put up anything. Everything had to be custom this and that. The tongue and groove on the ceiling, and this, it was all weird sizes and weird this, and I had to make, mill all of it to make it fit. Well, you and I, Jesus looked at our mess, and he said, I know what's broken. He said, I know what needs to be replaced, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to fix you. As specific in every single thing that you need, what Jesus did covers exactly and is exactly what I needed. It is exactly what you needed. It's everything that any of us needed. He goes, I'm going to take care of it. But now that house they still have it, and, and, and I go visit. We're up there sometimes, and guess what? It's, it's got new scratches on the floor where things got pulled across and this and that, and it's, it's, it's not in the shape that it was when we finished because it's kind of, it, it's aging, but that's what happens, right? That's what's supposed to happen. You're supposed to use things. You're supposed to use things, not just look at them, and as you use it, it's going to wear, and that's, that's, that's normal. But guess what it needs? It needs more paint, and the floor needs another coat of this and that. One of the greatest, when the Bible talks about how great what Jesus did was, was the fact that he came, and not only did he solve our problem for what we had done, but then we get to experience his grace because we're going to fall short again for what we will do. He didn't just fix something and then set us aside and say, there, it's done. It'll never, have you, 
Has anybody ever done anything wrong? Okay, me. God's like, look, we have, we have a great high priest, the Bible says, that says, guess what? I was tempted in every way that you were. He says, I'm not cold to your feelings. He's like, just, I understand what you're going through. So not only did he fix us in our situation, but he loves us, and he has this thing where he, called grace, where he says, if you come back and you run to me, because I'll, I'll forgive you again, the Bible says, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, we'll be saved. It says, confess your sins and you'll be forgiven. It happens again where we fall short and God's like, God's not like, well, I gave you your chance, it's over. He's like, no. Repent. The Bible says, though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. He doesn't say, if the righteous fall, they're not anymore. But we have forgiveness. <clears throat> Jesus didn't come just to solve our problem. He did. He came to make a way so that we could have a relationship with him. A ongoing relationship with him that we would be redeemed. Another word that the Bible uses to describe what it is that Jesus did is this word found in Galatians 2.16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. We couldn't do it on our own. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. 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 My favorite definition that I've ever heard for this word justified is really simple. is to be made just as if I'd never done it. Justified. Just as if I had never done it. God's like, that is what it is. But I can forget that. I can forget that. And when I forget that, here's what I don't do. I don't draw near to God. I don't cast my cares on him. Because I know what I did wrong, and I know what I deserve, and I know I don't deserve what he wants to give me. And it's like, wait a second, I don't want this. I, I don't want this. But this is what Jesus did, John 1, verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of his only, one and only son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. He's full of both, grace and truth. The truth is, messed up, it's no good. Grace is He's like, I can pull you out of this. He's like, I can, I can pull you out of this. But we only experience God's grace when we will accept his truth. And the world says, I want his grace, but they refuse the truth. They refuse the truth. We can experience God's grace if we will accept his truth. 
Maybe you grew up with a dad and it was just all, all like law and he's like, you do it wrong and he was just waiting to get you. Um, I, I didn't. I did a few stupid, stupid things. Um, most of them when I got my driver's license, right? I think, I think that's kind of when it starts. Um, just just, just a, a, a couple. One, um, I was visiting a friend's house and I'd kind of parked off, off the driveway a little bit. And as I went to leave my friend's house, um, I backed up, and, and, and I'm going to leave, and I turned some music on, and I'm just listening to some music, and I'm driving down their driveway, this really long driveway. And as I'm driving and listening to this, loud, this music, I'm like, I hear something. And it doesn't, I don't know what it is, but it doesn't sound right. So I turn the music down, and the minute I turn the music down, I hear, and I'm like, mm. so I just stop. And I get out. And I go around to the passenger side. And, and my friend's dad had taken some, I don't know where he got it all, but he'd taken some metal rod and pounded it in the ground as a plow, like truck marker to see where the driveway was. And that metal rod had gotten bent over when the plow had come and the snow was gone now, but whatever, it hadn't gotten cleaned up. And it got in the rim of the car. And it just got stuck and was just spinning. Every, every time I went around, it just was grabbing the side of the car and going, and just scratching up the whole side panel. And I look at that and I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm like, I'm dead. I'm like, I've, I've scratched the car before and gotten the scratches out. I'm like, these aren't coming out. Like, I know this is not, and I'm just like, oh my goodness. And I pull it out, and I go home, and I'm like, and I know who I have to tell. It's not mom. I'd love to tell mom. She'd be like, oh, okay. But no, like, like this is a dad conversation. I know, I know what this is. And so I'm like, hey, dad, um, I scratched the car, and he's like, well, try to buff it out. And I'm like, I did. I, it, it isn't going to work. And he's like, no, 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 hold on. I'll, I'll see what I can do. And he comes out, and he's like, what did you do? Like, how did you do that? And and if you're thinking of like a really short driveway and you're thinking I didn't go very far and I noticed right away, that, that wasn't what it was. Um, it was a really long, long driveway and I made it like three quarters of the way down the driveway so it just like chewed up the whole panel, that whole quarter panel. And my dad just looks at me and he goes, well, you're going to pay for it. And that was it. That was... That, that was it. Um, never said another word about it. Never said another word about it. Another time, um, I got in trouble and too long of a story to tell you the details, but dad had to come pick me up at the police station. And, <laughs> and so, hey, 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 focus on the story, okay? There's a moral at the end. So, so dad comes, dad comes and, and, and he picks me up. And he just looks at me. He's like, where's your car? I'm like, it's impounded. He's like, do you have the money to get it? I'm like, yep. And he goes, are you ever going to do that again? I go, nope. So he took me over there, dropped me off. I picked up my car. And the whole way home, I was like, what's he going to say when we get home? I just turned 18, but I was still living at home. I just, just graduated. He never said another word. Never said another word about it. 
He's never even brought it up. He's never even used it in a sermon illustration that I know of. I mean, he's never done anything with it. I was 18. It was kind of like, hey, I'm going to have to deal with all the consequences of it. The other one, I was much younger, and it took out one of their vehicles for a long time. But one thing I super appreciate about my dad was I know I could go to him. I know I could go to him. That If I jacked something up, if I messed it, if I broke it, I could go to my dad and be like, hey, and he just hit me with, the, okay, this is what it's going to cost. This is what it's going to be. This is what's going to happen here. I remember shortly after I got my license, I was driving my mom's car. <laughs> Again, driver's license stories. It's just, just the theme of the day, okay? And uh, spun, spun out in, in, the, in the winter, tipped over the car in a ditch, and ended up with a ticket, and I was trying to fight the ticket, and my dad comes, he knew all about it, he comes in, and he's like, hey, um, he, he was going to give me a ride to the courthouse to try to fight the ticket that I got for, for this. And, and he's like, um, he goes, man, sorry you got this. He goes, if I could, I'd take the points for you. He goes, but I can't. And I'm like, yup. And he's like, as you're looking at your budget and looking at your, he's like, this is going to cost you for a few years. He's like, until these points get off your license, so you need, you need to take that into account. And I'm like, yup, okay. And that was it. I broke his car, like tipped it over, put it on the passenger's side. Um, but you want to know what that told me? And there's many other stories I could keep going, but I knew I could go to my dad. I knew that he would give me grace. I knew I'd have to deal with the consequences. He wasn't one for being like, oh, I'll pay for it. Pay for anything. <laughs> like just about anything. He's like, not going to pay for it. No, I dealt with the consequences of it. If he could help me, he would, but I was never afraid to go to him. Our heavenly father, and that's what he calls him, that's what he calls himself as our heavenly father, wants you to know, and what I want, and what I hope that Christmas, what I pray that Christmas reminds you of is how much your heavenly father loves you and wants you to run to him. What he did, what he endured, what his reason was for coming to this earth in the first place was a relationship with you, and he wanted to fix it, that we couldn't fix it on our own, that he has grace to cover any and everything that we've done if we will accept the truth and ask for his forgiveness. That he's not waiting to beat us over the head. He knows what we've done wrong, and he wants us to go to him. He wants us to run to him. Hebrews 4.14 says this, So then, since we have a great high priest who's entered the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let's hold firmly to what we believe. Now this high priest of ours, he understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same testings that we do, Yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne room of God's grace. And there we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. I love that word boldly. He says, let us come boldly because we know what the result is going to be. 
The messes that we've made, the mistakes we've made, he already knows them. It's not like we come to him and he's like, oh, I didn't know that. Well, on that case, like, hold on a minute. He knows. He knows. But Christmas is our celebration of him sending his son because he wanted to fix our problem, to redeem, to buy back, to put back together our relationship. So that not only could we spend eternity in heaven, which yes, that is part of it, but we could have a relationship with him now, so much so that he says, come boldly before him. That's what he asks us to do. He says, come boldly. Because if we want to experience his grace, we can. But it's accepting the truth that's found in his word, which is there's only one way. There's not a scale that you're trying to balance the bad that you've done, it's, it's all it took. It's all it took. You might be better than someone else, but your good is not good enough. A man came to Jesus and said, good teacher. And Jesus looked at him and said, who is good but God alone? Our goodness doesn't cut it. But that's why Jesus sent his son and what I hope you think about this Christmas is not only the fact that Jesus sent his son, but the fact that as a result, we can come boldly before him. We can ask for forgiveness. We can come boldly before him. As we reach out to him, we come boldly before him and say, God, I messed up again. I did it again. I lost my temper with my kids. I talked too loud. I waved at the car as it went by with only one finger, whatever it is. And we're like, God, I did it again. And he's like, I know. And we're like, God, help me to not do it. Help me. Have you ever looked at the Bible and looked at what God calls us to and be like, I can't do it? I have. He's like, I know you can't, but I'll give you my spirit and it will help you because here's what he says. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The life God calls us to, it's above and beyond anything we can do without him. But can I tell you what, what the devil, you want to know what the devil wants for Christmas? And every other time too. He wants you ashamed and beat down. He wants you feeling guilty like you can't run to God. Like you don't belong at church, like you, 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 you're too dirty to read the Bible, that thing that was done to you, that thing that you did that you should walk off and be alone. No. God says, I'm your heavenly Father that loves you. I sent my Son to redeem you, to buy you back, to fix that situation, to justify you, to make you just as if you'd never done it. So He could have a relationship with you. Wherever you find yourself, I pray that you would run boldly to the throne room, that you'd run boldly to your heavenly Father. How do we do it? It's through prayer. That we would run boldly to him, knowing that he's full of grace, that he's not there to beat us down, but he's there to help us up, to take those burdens off. If we'll go to him, he loves us so much. I hope you realize that he's your heavenly father. I don't know what your relationship with your dad was, but no matter how good or how bad it was, he's the perfect heavenly father. He's the only perfect 
Heavenly Father. And He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants a better relationship with you. The Bible says, refers to us as sheep. It says, my sheep hear my voice. He wants to lead and guide you. Steps of the righteous, the Bible says, are ordered by the Lord. It says that, the Bible says that not only does he know how many hairs you have on your head, but he knows the number. The number. I pray that you'd come boldly before God. Bring your mess. Bring wherever you are. Those desires that you have in your heart, lay them down and watch what he does with them. Because this Christmas as we celebrate, we're celebrating Jesus coming so that you and I could be justified, redeemed, and made right. We could have a relationship with him and make a difference in our world today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? As we're here this morning, and I'm talking about what it is that Jesus did, reminding us of really the meaning behind Christmas, what we're celebrating this week. If you're here this morning, you say, you know what? I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life. You don't know where you stand with God. Maybe you thought he was mad at you. Maybe you thought, you know, I, I'm not that bad. Or maybe you thought, you know, I've done enough good. I think I've got it all covered. Can I just say none of us do? I think a piece of every single one of us know it. We know that we need Jesus. We know that we need to be forgiven. We know that we can be set free. The Bible tells us how to do it. If we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, we will be saved. If you're here this morning, you want to make that decision, I'd love to pray with you. You can pray right in your seat. When we say amen, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with God. If that's you, the count of three, I want you to lift your hand, and we're going to pray together. Get ready. One, all the way up. Two, three. Lift it up right now and say, that's me. Today is my day, and I'm going to give my life to him. I'm going to give my heart. Come on. All right, let's just pray with those that lifted their hands. If you would just, everybody, if you'd just Repeat after me. Those that lifted their hands, as you say these words, make them your own. Let's just all pray this out loud together. Say, oh God, I believe that you died, but you rose again. And today, I make you my Lord. From now on, I'll serve you. I believe that you came, that you died. You shed your blood so I could be free. And from now on, I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.